This is day 49 of our daily Bible reading plan. We will be completing 1 Samuel chapters 5 through 9 today. Lord Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the beauty of your creation. Your mercy is fresh every morning. Lord, that your love never ends, it has no limit, and your ability to do as you please has no limit. Please bless us today as we dive into your word, that we may be impacted by it, and that we may worship you in the process. May your name be glorified in our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now the Philistines took the Ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. Then the Philistines took the Ark of God and brought it to the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. When the Ashdodites arose early the next morning, behold, Dagon had fallen on his face to the ground before the Ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and set him in his place again. But when they rose early the next morning, behold, Dagon had fallen on his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. And the head of Dagon and both the palm of his hands were cut off in the threshold. Only the trunk of Dagon was left to him. Therefore neither the priests of Dagon nor all who entered Dagon's house tread on the threshold of Dagon in Ashdod to this day. Now the hand of the Lord was heavy on the Ashdodites, and he ravaged them and smote them with tumors, both Ashdod and its territories. When the men of Ashdod saw that it was so, they said, The ark of the God of Israel must not remain with us, for his hand is severe on us and on Dagon our God. So they sent and gathered all the lords of the Philistines to them, and said, What shall we do with the ark of the God of Israel? And they said, Let the ark of the God of Israel be brought around to Gath. And they brought the ark of the God of Israel around. After they had brought it around, the hand of the Lord was against the city with very great confusion. And he smote the men of the city, both young and old, so that tumors broke out on them. So they sent the ark of God to Ekron. And as the ark of God came to Ekron, the Ekronites cried out, saying, They have brought the ark of the God of Israel around to us to kill us and our people. They sent therefore and gathered all the lords of the Philistines and said, Send away the ark of the God of Israel and let it return to its own place so that it will not kill us and our people. For there was a deadly confusion throughout the city. The hand of God was very heavy there. And the men who did not die were smitten with tumors, and the cry of the city went up to heaven. Now the ark of the Lord had been in the country of the Philistines seven months. And the Philistines called for the priests and the diviners, saying, What shall we do with the ark of the Lord? Tell us, 
how we shall send it to its place. They said, If you send away the ark of the God of Israel, do not send it empty, but you shall surely return to him a guilt offering. Then you will be healed, and it will be known to you why his hand is not removed from you. Then they said, What shall be the guilt offering which we shall return to him? And they said, Five golden tumors and five golden mice, according to the number of the lords of the Philistines. For one plague was on all of you and on your lords. So you shall make likenesses of your tumors and likenesses of your mice that ravage the land. And you shall give glory to the God of Israel. Perhaps he will ease his hand from you, your gods and your land. Why then do you harden your hearts as the Egyptians and Pharaoh hardened their hearts? When he had severely dealt with them, did they not allow the people to go, and they departed? Now therefore, take and prepare a new cart and two milk cows, on which there has never been a yoke, and hitch the cows to the cart, and take their calves home, away from them. Take the ark of the Lord and place it on the cart, and put the articles of gold which you return to him as a guilt offering in a box by its side. Then send it away that it may go. Watch, if it goes up by the way of its own territory to Beth Shemesh, then he has done us this great evil. But if not, then we will know that it was not his hand that struck us. It happened to us by chance. Then the men did so, and took two milk cows and hitched them to the cart, and shut up their calves at home. They put the ark of the Lord on the cart, and the box with the golden mice and the likenesses of their tumors. And the cows took the straight way in the direction of Beth Shemesh. They went along the highway, lowing as they went and did not return aside to the right or to the left. And the lords of the Philistines followed them to the border of Beth Shemesh. Now the people of Beth Shemesh were reaping their wheat harvest in the valley, and they raised their eyes and saw the ark, and were glad to see it. The cart came into the field of Joshua, the Beth Shemite, and stood there, where there was a large stone, and they split the wood of the cart and offered the cows as a burnt offering to the Lord. The Levites took down the ark of the Lord and the box that was with it, which were the articles of gold, and put them on the large stone. And the men of Beth Shemesh offered burnt offerings and sacrificed sacrifices that day to the Lord. When the five lords of the Philistines saw it, they returned to Ekron that day. These are the golden tumors which the Philistines returned for a guilt offering to the Lord, one for Ashdod, one for Gaza, one for Ashkelon, one for Gath, one for Ekron, and the golden mice, according to the number of all the cities of the Philistines belonging to the five lords both of fortified cities and of country villages. 
the large stone on which they set the ark of the Lord is a witness to this day in the field of Joshua the Beth Shemite. He struck down some of the men of Beth Shemesh because they had looked into the ark of the Lord. He struck down of all the people 50,070 men. And the people mourned because the Lord had struck the people with the great slaughter. The men of Beth Shemesh said, Who is able to stand before the Lord, this holy God? And to whom shall he go up from us? So they sent messengers to the inhabitants of Kiriath-Jerim, saying, The Philistines have brought back the ark of the Lord. Come down and take it up to you. And the men of Kiriath-Jerim came and took the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abinadab on the hill and consecrated Eleazar his son to keep the ark of the Lord. From the day that the ark remained at Kiriath-Jerim, the time was long, for it was twenty years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. Then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel, saying, If you return to the Lord with all your heart, remove the foreign gods and the Ashtaroth from among you, and direct your hearts to the Lord and serve him alone, and he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. So the sons of Israel removed the Baals and the Ashtaroth and served the Lord alone. Then Samuel said, Gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. They gathered to Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord, and fasted on that day, and said there, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the sons of Israel at Mizpah. Now when the Philistines heard that the sons of Israel had gathered to Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the sons of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. Then the sons of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. Samuel took a suckling lamb, and offered it for a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And Samuel cried to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. Now Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, and the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day against the Philistines, and confused them, so that they were routed before Israel. The men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and struck them down as far as below Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shen and named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued, and they did not come any more within the border of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. 
the cities which the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel, from Ekron even to Gath. And Israel delivered their territory from the hand of the Philistines. So there was peace between Israel and the Amorites. Now Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. He used to go annually on circuit to Bethel and Gilgal and Mizpah, and he judged Israel in all these places. Then his return was to Ramah, for his house was there, and there he judged Israel, and he built there an altar to the Lord. And it came about when Samuel was old that he appointed his sons judges over Israel. Now the name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second, Abijah. They were judging in Beersheba. His sons, however, did not walk in his ways, but turned aside after dishonest gain and took bribes and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah, and they said to him, Behold, you have grown old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint a king for us, to judge us like all the nations. But the thing was displeasing in the sight of Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. The Lord said to Samuel, Listen to the voice of the people in regard to all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. Like all the deeds which they have done since the day that I brought them up from Egypt, even to this day, in that they have forsaken me and served other gods, so they are doing to you also. Now then, listen to their voice. However, you shall solemnly warn them and tell them of the procedure of the king who will reign over them. So Samuel spoke all the words of the Lord to the people who had asked of him a king. He said, This will be the procedure of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and place them for himself in his chariots and among his horsemen, and they will run before his chariots. He will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and of fifties, and some to do his plowing and to reap his harvest and to make his weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will also take your daughters for performers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and your vineyards and your olive groves and give them to his servants. He will take a tenth of your seed and of your vineyards and give to his officers and his servants. He will also take your male servants and your female servants and your best young men and your donkeys and use them for his work. He will take a tenth of your flocks and you yourselves will become his servants. Then you will cry out in that day because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves. For the Lord 
will not answer you in that day. Nevertheless, the people refused to listen to the voice of Samuel. And they said, No, but there shall be a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations, that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Now after Samuel had heard all the words of the people, he repeated them in the Lord's hearing. The Lord said to Samuel, Listen to their voice and appoint them a king. So Samuel said to the men of Israel, Go, every man, to his city. Now there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Bekorath, the son of Aphia, the son of a Benjamite, a mighty man of valor. He had a son whose name was Saul, a choice and handsome man and there was not a more handsome person than he among the sons of Israel. From his shoulders and up, he was taller than all the other people. Now the donkeys of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. So Kish said to his son Saul, Take now with you one of your servants, and arise, go search for the donkeys. He passed through the hill country of Ephraim, and passed through the land of Shalisha, but they did not find them. Then they passed through the land of Shalim, and they were not there. Then he passed through the land of the Benjamites, but they were not there either. When they came to the land of Zuh, Saul said to his servant who was with him, Come, and let us return, or else my father will cease to be concerned about the donkeys and will become anxious for us. He said to him, Behold now, there is a man of God in this city, and the man is held in honor. All that he says surely comes true. Now let us go there. Perhaps he can tell us about our journey on which we have set out. Then Saul said to the servant, But behold, if we go, what shall we bring the man? For the bread is gone from our sack, and there is no present to bring to the man of God. What do we have? The servant answered Saul again and said, Behold, I have in my hand a fourth of a shekel of silver. I will give it to the man of God, and he will tell us our way. Formerly in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, he used to say, Come, and let us go to the seer. For he who is called a prophet now was formerly called a seer. Then Saul said to his servant, Well said. Come, let's go. So they went to the city where the man of God is. As they went up the slope to the city, they found young women going out to draw water, and said to them, Is the seer here? They answered them and said, He is. See, he is ahead of you. Hurry now, for he has come to the city today, for the people have a sacrifice on the high place today. As soon as you enter the city, you will find him before he goes up to the high place to eat. 
for the people will not eat until he comes, because he must bless the sacrifice. Afterward, those who are invited will eat. Now therefore, go up, for you will find him at once. So they went up to the city. As they came into the city, behold, Samuel was coming out toward them to go up to the high place. Now a day before Saul's coming, the Lord had revealed this to Samuel, saying, About this time tomorrow I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, and you shall anoint him to be prince over my people Israel, and he will deliver my people from the hand of the Philistines. For I have regarded my people, because their cry has come to me. When Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said to him, Behold, the man of whom I spoke to you, this one shall rule over my people. Then Saul approached Samuel in the gate and said, Please tell me where the seer's house is. Samuel answered Saul and said, I am the seer. Go up before me to the high place, for you shall eat with me today, and in the morning I will let you go and will tell you all that is on your mind. As for your donkeys, which were lost three days ago, do not set your mind on them, for they have been found. And for whom is all that is desirable in Israel? Is it not for you and for all your father's household? Saul replied, Am I not a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel? and my family the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Why then do you speak to me in this way? Then Samuel took Saul and his servant and brought them into the hall and gave them a place at the head of those who were invited, who were about thirty men. Samuel said to the cook, Bring the portion that I gave you, concerning which I said to you, Set it aside. Then the cook took up the leg with what was on it and set it before Saul. And Samuel said, Here is what has been reserved. Set it before you and eat, because it has been kept for you until the appointed time. Since I said, I have invited the people. So Saul ate with Samuel that day. When they came down from the high place into the city, Samuel spoke with Saul on the roof. And they arose early, and at daybreak Samuel called to Saul on the roof, saying, Get up, that I may send you away. So Saul arose, and both he and Samuel went out into the street. As they were going down to the edge of the city, Samuel said to Saul, Say to the servant that he might go ahead of us and pass on. But you remain standing now, that I may proclaim the word of God to you. Okay, so in chapter 5, we see God's wonderful sense of humor here. Did you see it? How when they put the ark in the same room as Dagon, Dagon fell on his face. And not only that, but... His hands and his head were cut off when in the presence of the ark. 
as if to prove that God is the one who is real versus Dagon being a false god. And so that was embarrassing. <laughs> I, was, I, I always love this story because God is showing how powerful he is and how he has dominion over all false gods. And so they were like, well, let's not put him in here. Let's, let's put this somewhere else. So they started passing along the ark to different parts of Philistia in order to figure out where it's going to be successful in keeping it. And everywhere they put it, it did something negative towards the Philistines, either causing great confusion or causing people to get some sort of plague on them, or in this case, mentioning of tumors. Now, it does mention in chapter 6 that mice ravaged the land. So it's possible that this is related to the Black Death, to the bubonic plague, because that's how it was transmitted in our history books. It was transmitted by mice. So it's quite possible that the Lord caused the bubonic plague to be attacking the Philistines because of their possession of the Ark. So they had it for a while, and then they're like, you know what? Let's send it back. It's just is causing, it is nothing but trouble for us. So let's go ahead and just send it back. And so they figured out, okay, how do we appease the Lord? Of course, they didn't have the law of Moses, and so they didn't really know how to handle the ark. And so two things happened here. One is they put it on a cart. Now, we know from reading the book of Leviticus and, and all of that, that is not the way you handle the ark. We know that you're supposed to get the poles that are intended for it. You're supposed to slide the poles into the rings. And only a Levite is supposed to carry the ark. And there's only a specific family of the Levites. So it makes you wonder, if we do it wrong, what did God say would happen? He said that they would die. So how come the Philistines didn't die? My thinking is that it was because of their ignorance. And not only that, but also the Philistines had not made a covenant with God. And so they were not bound by this covenant. They were not bound by the rules that God had made for Israel. And so when they handled the ark, they didn't die from it because it was not something that was related to them. At least that's what it appears to be. So that makes sense. But then the other thing is their peace offering to God was five golden tumors. Five pieces of gold that were shaped in the same shape as the tumors that were being inflicted upon these people. So, apparently they thought that that was going to appease God. And so they sent that along with the ark back to Israel. And the milk cows were still nursing their young. That's why they're called milk cows. And they sent them away to lead them into 
Beth Shemesh. And they said, if it reaches Beth Shemesh, then we know that it was God's doing. And, of course, it went straight to Beth Shemesh. So they knew. They knew. So when Beth Shemesh took it, they did not know how to handle it properly. Now, they started dying. doesn't say the Philistines started dying, but it did say that the Israelites in Beth Shemesh were dying when they were looking into the ark, when they were handling it incorrectly. Because, again, the covenant relationship was with Israel. And even though these people were likely ignorant to the laws of how to handle the ark, God has a set standard for Israel, and he's not going to change it. It doesn't seem fair at a surface level that they don't know. Why should they be inflicted with this if they have no idea? But we have to understand that God is fulfilling his covenant. And his rules don't change. He does not bend the rules for people. Things are very black and white with him, so to speak. It's either you're following my commandments or you're not. And so if you're not, whether by ignorance or otherwise, you're still sinning. And he does that with us today, too. He is much more able to forgive those things that are in ignorance. And his main concern is for the things that we do intentionally, granted. But there are still consequences in, in our ignorance, isn't there? isn't there? Just because we don't know something doesn't mean that we are immune to consequence. So it's in the same way. This is what's happening to these people. So the people of Beth Shemesh were like, we need to get this thing out of here. It's not handling us very well. So they contacted Kiriath-Jerim. Hey, you guys, there's an ark over here. You want it? And so they came and they took it. And they put it on a hill and they were going to worship it, or rather sacrifice to it. And it stayed there for 20 years. And Sam, Samuel had to step in and say, look, you guys are suffering so much, but do you understand why you're suffering? You're suffering because you have abandoned the Lord. If you return to the Lord with all your heart, remove the foreign gods and the Ashtaroth from among you and direct your hearts to the Lord and serve him alone, he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. And this is the same prescription that we all take in order to be cleansed and to be fully repented. To return to the Lord in our hearts. To remove anything that we put in front of him. And to serve him alone. And to direct our hearts to the Lord at all times. And he will act for our, for our good. His intention is always for our good. But we are so quick to abandon him, and he will not tolerate that. So we need to have proper repentance before he will act on our behalf. And so Samuel said that they need to all meet at Mizpah, 
they need to repent and that he will speak to the Lord for them. And they fully repented. They were sincere in their repentance. And the Lord responded. He sent thunder and he scared the Philistines away. And they reclaimed the land. And that should have been enough. But it was not. Because shortly thereafter, we have what happens here in chapter 8. The people of Israel want a king. And they don't recognize God as their king, which they should. For he has always been their king. He is the king of kings and lord of lords. And But the Lord understands the people, and they're not going to budge on this, as well as he has compassion on them. So there's three reasons why Israelites wanted a king. For one was they did not want Samuel's sons to rule over them because they were corrupt, and that's understandable. You know, they had a desire to conform to the pattern of other nations. They wanted to be like everybody else. But God called Israel to not be like everyone else. He called them to be separate. He called them to be holy. So God's design was not for them to be like everyone else. But the third reason why they felt this was the right course of action for them was because they wanted military power. And they knew that kings governed a military power. They wanted this king to be the one to protect them. But Samuel reminded them, saying, hey, you know, all these resources and all these military powers that you're talking about are you. And he's going to take your people and he's going to make them employees of his. And they will be conscripted into his military. So just know what you're doing. But in the middle of all this, the gravest error that these elders of Israel have done is they have failed to recognize God is their king. And God tells Samuel that. Their problem is not with you. Their problem is with me. They have rejected me as king. And he warns them, you want this king so bad, but once he's established, you will cry out in that day because of your king, whom you have chosen on yourself, and the Lord will not answer you. You want this king so bad, I'm not your king. Okay, well, have fun trusting in him. Because if you want something from me, I'm not going to answer. So the person that was chosen as the first king of Israel was a man named Saul. Now, as we know this about Saul, it was not God's will. God never wanted Israel to have a king. However, if you recall when we read the law, there was a provision for a king. So he did have a way into that because God saw that eventually Israel is going to kick and fight and they're going to want a king. So he put that in the law already because he knew this was going to happen. But it was not God's will, in you know, his perfect will, in order for this to to be like this. He wanted to be their king. But because God is a God of grace, he allowed this to happen. 
And again, even if they have the king, God's sovereignty is still a reality. Whether we reject it or not, God is still king of kings and lord of lords, and he governs all things from his throne in heaven. Whether we like it or not, whether we agree or not, whether we believe that or not, that is the way it is. And so it's not that this stops him in any way from being able to have control of Israel by putting in a king. He designs and declares all things to be. So the people's choice was a man named Saul. And he was apparently the most handsome man in Israel, as well as a head and shoulders taller than everybody else. So this is what, by appearance, the people want as their king. So God is teaching these people a lesson. They're going to say, okay, you want this king? He's yours, and I'm going to orchestrate it to where he's going to run into Samuel. And when he runs into Samuel, then he's going to work on confirming him as their first king, which is what we'll get to tomorrow. But let's be very clear. We haven't gone to David yet, but you're going to see not too long from now that Saul was not God's choice. This is what the people looked for in a king. But he is not a good king. He is someone who is always in contention with the Lord. And God is going to use this as an object lesson, not only for the people of that day, but for us as well. And God allows these things to happen in order to instruct us. Can you imagine that? And Paul talks about that. I don't have it quite in, in front of me as to where it is in Scripture, but he does say something to the effect of everything that happened, the way it happened, and that it was recorded for us in the Bible, is for us to learn. And it's for us to be instructed as to the intentions of God. All these things happened for a reason at the time it happened, and there was a purpose behind it. And I love that about God. Very long-term in the way he did this. But we'll handle the rest of this another day. Until then, I'm Ryan. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow. Take care, and God bless you.